0: Hey, folks. Welcome to the DC Beer Show. I'm your host, Richard Fullal. I'm here with my co-host for news and events, Mr. Michael Stein. How are you doing Thanks, today, Michael?
1: Thanks, Richard. I'm doing great. Good morning, good afternoon, good night to all those out there in Beery Beerland. beer land. All right.
0: Well, it's good to see you, sir. Cheers
1: to you. Cheers to you, Richard. All right. So tell us, my friend, what is going on in the world of craft beer news? I will tell you, and specifically we're focusing on D.C., the district. A little bit Maryland and Virginia this week, too, but no real national news, so we're keeping it local. Considering we gave short shrift to Meridian Pints closing last week, I wanted to double down on considering what the pint means for the beer scene and dining in the district. On the dining front, the pint is a blow to all those crazies who believe eating less meat is a good thing. I don't want to weigh in with my own thoughts and my own opinions, but I fondly recall eating brunches, lunches, and dinners there with vegan and veggie friends with an easy-to-navigate menu. Now, some snarkosauruses lamented the pint's food options had gotten much worse in recent years in regarding their veggie options, but really, they had options that weren't just cold vegetables and dipping sauce or some flabby bean burger. On the beery end of the spectrum... Others feel the Pint's closing is the biggest loss to the DC beer scene since the Brickskeller closed. Famed beer institution, the Brickskeller. Speaking of biggest, I asked beverage director Jace Gonerman for some superlatives to put the beery side of things in perspective. And he wrote, quote, We were the largest optimal wit account for a very long time. At one point, we were the highest seller of pivo in the U.S. Now that's Port City Brewing Company's optimal wit, Port City Brewing in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, and they brew theirs with Virginia wheat. The other, Pivo, is Firestone Walker's Pivo Pills, a pilsner brewed with Sapphire or German Sapphire hops. So the ripple effects are huge in the sense that the pint indirectly supported jobs in Virginia wheat growing, harvesting, and handling, as well as German hop growing and importing, considering many local brewers tried Pivo Pills and thought, hey, I should add Sapphire to my lager. I won't name names, but you have to understand that Pivo Pills inspired many brewers to import sapphire into his or her brew house. If Cezanne DuPont, the famed Belgian Saison, launched 1,000 Saisons, Pivo Pills launched 1,000 Hoppy loggers, and now its best account is gone. Keeping within the local, Greg Cook from Stone Brewing was in town at the Right Proper Brew Pub last week. They released Soust, a really unique beer at the Right Proper Brewpub Shaw. Brewer Bobby Bump writes, This is a rebrew of our collaboration with Stone Brewing and Pen Druid Brewing. We steeped juniper branches in the hot liquor tank overnight that we used as our water source. Brewed with oats and massively late kettle hopped and dry hopped with over five pounds per barrel of mosaic and comet. Fermented warm with kvike yeast, for dry, over-the-top citrusy yeast-derived esters. Ripe mango, pineapple, orange flavors, and aromas. Shaw location only. We went on to ask Brewer Bobby Bump what the yeast he used, and he tells D.C. Beer that the yeast strain is the Kvike Hornendahl strain from Jasper yeast, our friends out in Ashburn or Ash Vegas, Virginia. Uh, And so this strain is relatively new in the U.S. So the Hornendahl strain comes from Wakanda. No, sorry, it comes from Asgard. (laughs) <laughs> no is it ter- terabithia or narnia i'm sorry i'm, I'm sorry horn and doll is actually the western side of norway it comes from none of those <laughs> other places uh, but i could not not mention you know there's so much avengers news going on i had to give a shout out to all of our uh, have you seen it yet have you seen the end game i have not okay um, i will keep my mouth shut i'm eager to get there yeah no spoilers got it don't be that guy but uh, we do love that we're seeing more of this uh, Norwegian yeast strain in the U.S. You know, it's relatively new in the country. If you consider German lager strains go back hundreds of years, the Kvike strains, Horn and Dahl, this one specifically, is relatively new in the U.S. And it's really neat that they're using uh, juniper branches in the water because it, it goes back to this Norwegian tradition. Um, but, of course, with over five pounds per barrel mosaic and comet in the dry hop, that is very... <laughs> Murica. That is Murica. Yeah. Um, So uh, the last bit I I wanted to say it was a joy to organize and steward Pizzeria Paradiso's inaugural homebrew competition. Their beverage director, Drew McCormick, and I were stewards. And I have a tremendous debt of thanks for Drew, who gave her time and really worked hard putting a ton of entries and categories via a, a Google form into an extensive, comprehensive a spreadsheet and checklist. The stats of the contest shook out to 40 entrants. There was first, second, and third place assigned and a winner for best-named beer on top of the three best beers winning the day. The competition was really steep, and I have to say that out of the 40, while I wasn't judging, there was only really one stinker that <laughs> emerged out wow, of the out 40. Wow, out of 40? Yeah. That's awesome. It's amazing. So what really stood out was that Ruth Gresser, who's Pizzeria Paradiso's owner, and first-time judge voted to move through the same beers as D.C. Brow's president, co-founder, and brewmaster Jeff Hancock, as well as Beer Me Radio host Sarah Jane. That was the first judging team. The second judging team was Pizzeria Paradiso's Aaron Gilbert, Patent Brewing Company's brewer and co-founder Matt Humbard, and the last judge on the other team was Jeannie Burns, who's outgoing D.C. Homebrew's vice president commercial brewer at the Lake Ann Brewhouse Nano Brewery. So Jeannie is a certified beer judge and has judged about three dozen competitions. So the fact that someone who judged 36 contests and someone who was judging her first time, Ruth Gresser, picked the same first, second, and third place beers really speaks about the quality of beers entered. You know, we know from the American Homebrewers Association that the overall number of homebrewers is down. I believe the stat, don't quote me, is 1.3 million to 1.1 million homebrewers in the U.S.
0: Oh, no. Yeah. Bum, I'm bum, one of those. Bum. I'm definitely one of I those. Know.
1: Get back in. Let's get our numbers up. It's so, so But the interesting thing is that the overall quality was really high. So each team judged 20 beers, and then for the best of show, the best six beers out of the 40, they were judged by the six judges together. And it's really impressive that Ruth, who was judging for the first time, picked the same best one, two, and three as Jeannie, who was judging for the 36th or the 40th. Wow. time. Um, great showing. And so the winner of that competition will have his or her beer scaled up at DC Brow Brewing Company. And that beer will then be served, the commercial beer, at all five locations at Pizzeria Paradiso. So it's really a great prize for first place. That's very exciting. Yeah. That must be awesome. Yeah. And then second and third gets a gift certificate from Pizzeria Paradiso. Very generous from Pizzeria Paradiso. Awesome. To offer up... Um, and then the best name. So we'll see who wins. You got to tune back in. We'll keep you posted. So follow us at DC Beer on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, thank you for listening to the pod.
0: All right. Let's talk about what's going on this week in the DMV in craft beer. Uh, the week of Wednesday, May 1st to Tuesday, May 7th. Wednesday, May 1st, this week's Dacha Beer Club will feature Rocket Frog Brewing Company you can try a variation of the Sterling, Virginia's Great American Beer Fest award-winning Wallops Island Brown Ale. It's delicious. If you haven't tried it, you should. I mean, it's pretty impressive that these guys won a bronze at GABF Out of the gate like, less, with a medal. Less than nine months after they'd <laughs> open. Like, amazing. Just amazing. It's really, really good. They also have their barrel-aged Shame and Torment Barley Wine. Mm. And the Angry Alice IPA. That's four to close at Dacha Beer Garden on Wednesday, May 1st. Thursday, May 2nd, Belgian beer lovers should head to the Sovereign in Georgetown to say goodbye to the beers of Capitel. The Sovereign is featuring five classic Abbey style ales from the Belgian brewery Capitel, which traces its roots back to 1862. But Capital recently decided to pull out of the U.S. market, so you got to get to Sovereign to try these beers before they go back home.
1: So long, farewell, auf Wiedersehen,
0: goodbye. <laughs> adieu, adieu to you and you and you. All right, enough of that. That's Thursday, May 2nd, um, at the Sovereign in Georgetown. On Saturday, May 4th, Rocket Frog Brewery, back to Rocket Frog, is celebrating their first anniversary. We at DC Beer want to say congrats to Russell and Richard and David and Jennifer and everyone at. Rocket Frog, Uh, you guys are making some great beer. Congratulations on your first anniversary. If you, dear listener, happen to be out in Sterling on Saturday or can get to Sterling on Saturday, definitely put a visit to Rocket Frog Brewery on your agenda. Check out their first anniversary. You can go to dcbeer.com or Rocket Frog's Facebook page to get ticket info. Mm -hmm. And then Sunday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. A totally more American holiday than a Mexican one. Indeed. Do you know what we celebrate? at Cinco de Mayo. I Besides the fifth of May, we <laughs> celebrate the fifth of May. <laughs>
1: yes, it is a huge day for beer sales. I do know that. I I want to mm-hmm. say it's the, and tequila the, and tequila <laughs> and salsa. Uh, in true historical fashion, is it the throwing off of the colonial nope. yoke of the?
0: Oh. Nope. It is not an Independence Day. Every,
1: it, that is a common misconception about.
0: Uh, Cinco de Mayo, it is not Mexican Independence Day. It is a celebration of the Battle of Puebla. The Battle of Puebla. On May 5th, 1862. Mm. That's the second time we've said 1862 in this podcast. It's also the year that Capitel traces its roots back to. That it. is
1: quite remarkable that uh, the the Belgian brewery opened the same year. We're commemorating the Battle of Pueblo. The Battle of
0: Pueblo. Uh, the Mexicans defeated the French in an unlikely ah. battle. Uh, although in Mexico, uh, Cinco de Mayo or the celebration of the Battle of Pueblo, it is not called Cinco de Mayo. It is called the celebration of the Battle of Pueblo City, I believe. Ah, so don't um, say santé, say salud. Uh, yes, uh, it is celebrated mostly in the state of Puebla in Mexico. Um, it is not like a nationwide right, <laughs> big <right. laughs> holiday. Uh, and it is celebrated, of course, in bars all over the United States but it's of a, America. it's a big
1: deal in the U.S. It is. Yeah.
0: Uh, so look for Mexican lagers and other south-of-the-border-inspired beers at Rustico in Alexandria. Beers from Commonwealth, Founders, and Port City, plus some yummy Mexican-style food. Mm. Also, Red Bear is releasing a Salty Rim Margarita Goza. Ooh. Uh, on Cinco de Mayo. So uh, if you're in the Noma area, stop by there and try I their new I like Nucosa. beer
1: much better than I like margaritas. So this sounds like the right one for me.
0: I like margaritas and beer. <gasps> you so can like them both. I'm really excited. Oh, I mean, actually, told me. we,
1: my wife and I are like, we,
0: we got to try to get there. We got to try to get there. <laughs> yeah. if, not, if not on Cinco de Mayo, we want to get there soon after and try mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. And then out in Woodbridge, Brew Republic is having Cinco de Drinco. Check dcbeer.com or Facebook for uh, more information about all of these events happening on Cinco de Mayo. Finally, of course, on Tuesday, May 7th, it's Tuesday Brews Day, brought to you by your friends at DC Beer and Kramer's Bar and Cafe in DuPont Circle. Kramer's will have half price pints of 18 different beers starting at 7 p.m. This includes rotating limited and specialty-run drafts and cans. That's mm. so all their beer, half price pints, Starting at 7 on Tuesday, there are food specials as well. It's great beer at a great price at Kramer Books Bar and Cafe in DuPont Circle, brought to you by your friends at dcbeer.com. What a deal. All right. You can get the details about all of these and dozens of other craft beer events happening in the DMV at dcbeer.com. If you want to have an event featured on the DC Beer Show or on dcbeer.com, send an email to info at dcbeer.com. Now... Let's turn to the interview for this episode. Uh, Adam and I talked to Justin Cox and Daniel Villarubi at Atlas Brewworks. Let's go to Atlas. Thanks for listening to the DC Beer Show this week. We hope you come back next week. If you like what you hear, give us a review at. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, tell your friends about us. And don't forget, you can find out more about everything you've heard at dcbeer.com. See you next week. Hey folks, this is Richard. I'm here with my good friend Adam. And today we're talking to Justin Cox and Daniel Villarubi. That's me. I got it right? Yeah. All right. right. We're at Atlas Brewworks in Ivy City. Uh, Everybody who listens to this show should be pretty familiar with Atlas. These guys have been around brewing beer here since, what, 2013? 2013, yeah. Wow, six years. So you guys were one of the first uh, to to open up a brewery in the District of Columbia. And uh, we see Atlas everywhere. Like, you guys are all over town. Uh, You're in the ballpark. Uh, You're in pretty much any bar that's serving local craft beer. Uh, And uh, we're really glad to be here. This is the first time we've gotten to talk to you guys.
2: Yeah, thanks for coming over. Happy to be on the show. Yeah, it's All right. great to meet you guys.
0: Yeah, okay. So that was Justin first, and that was Daniel second. Uh, we'll try to say your name so people know who's talking. Um, let's dive right in. Uh, the first question I've got is: is when you guys decided to do this, and and, and Justin, it was your idea, right? Mm-hmm. Originally, you decided you wanted to open a brewery. Like, what was what was the goal? What were you after? What did you want to accomplish? I think the number one goal was an
2: escape from my boring and terrible day job. <laughs> so I, I was I was working for the federal government and was just sort of frustrated with the bureaucracy and and dealing with just the the office life. Um, and in the meantime, I had been a big beer nerd for years and a big home brewer um, as well. And it kind of came together that I started entering some of my homebrew recipes and some competitions, um, started winning some competitions, so getting some positive feedback on that side. Um, and then simultaneously, like I said, hating hating the day-to-day of my uh, of my office job. And those two things kind of came together, and I said, screw it, I'm going to try to start a brewery on
0: Cool. Well, I can totally agree with that and understand that, because that's why I make podcasts and run <laughs> easy beer now. <laughs> Same thing. I was just tired of the day job thing. Uh, so that's
3: pretty cool. Yeah. And... Um, did you have any particular kind of beer styles that you were looking at bringing to the D.C. area?
2: Yes. Yeah, so my, my my original, I don't know if it was my very first homebrew recipe that I designed, but one of the first um, was what what is rowdy today. And so it was a beer um, that kind of evolved over the course of probably a 10-year period of me brewing it and, and altering and brewing and altering. Um, worked on that guy quite, quite a bit. And when I decided that I was going to open a brewery up, um, Rowdy was obviously going to be one of the you know one of the flagship beers for the brewery. Um, and then I decided that you know Rowdy being a little bit more aggressive flavor and a pretty pretty. Uh, uh I wouldn't say nuance, but a pretty pretty robust beer. We wanted to have a counterpoint to that um, when we're when you know the difference. Of course, when you're you know brewing for your friends and your neighbors, so when you think about opening a, a commercial uh, brewery, you got to think about larger the larger market and try to appeal to lots more people. And so, I wanted a counterpoint to that beer. Um, I'd always been a big fan of Anchor Steam and a fan of just the common style in, in general. Um, I think the the beer is delicious. I think the story of that that style is very cool. One of the truly unique American styles. And so I designed uh, a, a recipe for specifically for going into commercial production before we started getting the brewery up and going, and that ended up becoming uh, District Common.
3: So your goal in starting Atlas was to be more of a distribution.
2: It was, yeah. So from from day one. Um, when I first kind of had the idea to open Atlas, there was no production breweries in in D.C. at all. Um, D.C. Brow hadn't opened, and Three Stars hadn't opened, nor Chocolate City. Um, so it was definitely that was that was the idea. It's like open a, open a open a production brewery it was something that was crazy to me that was non existent in D.C. as big of a, a town as this is, and as big of a beer town as this place was. Um, from beers, you know, internationally or or across the country, it was surprising. There was no local brewery here. Um, so yeah, production brewery was kind of the goal from day one.
3: Okay, and did you find Daniel? Daniel, did you find Jess? How did you guys hook up?
2: How did we hook up, V? Eh?
3: Uh-huh.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, Alice had actually been open for about a year already uh, when uh, when I came on. There was a job posting. I was uh, I'd been working at uh, Franklin's uh, Brew Pub, uh, interning, and was looking for like full time brew- brewing gig. Uh, I applied here. They offered me the job right away.
2: I took it right away, and it's you know the rest is history. It's only one of three times I've seen him wear a tie. Wasn't in that in that interview? <laughs> you wore a tie to your brewery interview. Oh uh, yeah, and he was, got the job. <laughs> you know, it worked. All right. Yeah, he didn't dress for the job he wanted though. Wasn't a beer tie.
0: <laughs> it was not, but it was a fairly ridiculous outfit <laughs> You brought up something, Justin, that I that I wanted to dig into a little bit, and that's. Um, how much do you guys have to balance what you want to make and what the, you know, what the public wants? I mean, we, we all know that there are there are fads and, and phases uh, in what the public likes. Uh, and, and you know, how much do you guys struggle with and how much do you guys focus on sort of here's what the public wants? here, Let's make what the public wants. And here's what we want and, and, and making that
2: yeah and I'll, I'll let v answer this as well because i think we probably have two different answers on that but um i mean my my originally with both rowdy and district common i was making the beers that i wanted and they just so happen to match up with styles that i think were a little bit have more mass appeal than some you know stronger flavors or, or more nuanced uh nuanced beers um today when we're thinking about a new beer or a new seasonal um that's absolutely in the picture of course you know we have to pay pay the bills and keep the lights on and so Brewing a beer that's going to have more market appeal um, is something we're definitely looking at. Um, that being said, we also have a pilot system now, so we have a three and a half barrel pilot system as opposed to our twenty barrel production system that allows us to experiment and do some crazier beers and kind of you know our yield is four or five kegs off of that system rather than forty off the big system. So it allows us a little bit more leeway to try some new things out and uh, and get a little bit of crazy um, with less risk, just throwing it on the tap room and get some feedback kind of immediately, immediately from people in the tap room, but. Ving. You think, Ving?
4: Uh, Definitely got to agree with what Justin said, but uh, to elaborate a bit, um, you know, clearly we want to make the beer that we want to drink, but in the end, uh, despite the fact that we we probably drink more of it than anyone else, so you know, we, we do have to be able to sell the beer. So um, there's definitely got to be some level of mass appeal. Uh, you know, smaller releases can have more niche target audiences, um, but. For the most part, yeah, we, people have to like it. I can't just be—I can't be the only person in the world drinking this beer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that being said, we've also kind of the flip side of that is that we have sort of shied away from doing super trendy beers, and you know, we're not doing any milkshake IPAs or mm-hmm. uh, No cereal beers.
3: No, absolutely no cereal
2: <laughs> cereal beers. We have a, an internal name for that whole genre of just popsicle beer. <laughs> the thing,
0: popsicle, oh, I love it. Um, but we, you know, and so I, I think it cuts both ways. This is a kind of off the wall question, but uh, because you guys do produce a lot of beer, and of course you've got fifteen hundred, and you've got Rowdy, and you've got these beers that are well known and that that have stood the the test of time. Like, if you guys put, have you ever put something in the tap room that was just like a bomb? Like people were just like, "Oh, nobody's drinking this."
4: Absolutely. (laughs) Uh Yeah, you know, it, it comes down to a little bit like, we, we do start with like, what do we want to drink? And then like, do we think other people will want to drink it also? Um,
0: that doesn't necessarily mean people do want to drink it. <laughs> is, there something, is there one that you've made that was like particularly like, th- there's a funny story behind?
4: Uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Okay. There's, there's been a few that are like, one particularly funny stories, but there was definitely
0: <laughs> like...
2: Reception, uh, not what we expected. Yeah, and, Yeah
0: that's pretty common uh especially when you talk we talk to brewers like there's a lot of stuff i mean when you're brewing beer every day i think and it's your job uh or even if you're a really active home brewer you your palate opens up to a lot more stuff that the average person coming in is just like ah what is this absolutely <laughs> i think yeah. it's fantastic
3: mm-hmm. but yeah on that same vein do you use uh any particular local ingredients like and now there's a couple places that sell local yeast or things like that.
2: I'd say 100% of our water comes from the D.C. <laughs> municipal system. <laughs>
4: yeah. Uh, and truth be told, actually, uh, these days we, we are using Jasper Yeast, um, which is uh, out of, Ster- I think they're Sterling, Virginia. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, uh, yeah, it was a, lo- a couple local brewers that we've known for a long time, um, started up a yeast company. They, d- they do great work. and Yeah. Um, they're they willing to work with us on like any kind of like weird flights of fancy we have, so um, it, it's been pretty great.
2: And we've looked at at local malts. I know Copper Fox is, is doing some malting down in Virginia, um, but in our experience, it's just I don't think they have the repeatability in their and and their stats on on the malt um, to where mm-hmm. it would make sense for us to use. You know, if you're distilling, it's not as important um, due to the process that they have. But we would we would love to once you know the kind of market around here gets to the point where we have some stability in the in the ingredients coming in. Although you bring up Copper
4: Fox, we did make a, a smoked brown ale for the tap room, um, for the band barracho when they came through. Oh that's right. We yeah. made the Oculus with their their smoked malt. Yeah. Yeah. That was I like their
0: smoked malts. The the beer that when I was home brewing the beer that I brewed the most was used some of their smoked malts. Um, oh, yeah. it was a nice uh, like a habanero Rauch beer. It was pretty oh, good, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, I want to talk more about this local thing, though. Uh, although it's not technically local, um, tell us a little bit about the solar. You guys are solar powered, and we're seeing other breweries now sort of follow that lead. But tell us how that came about.
3: Well, you do use all DC solar power. Right? <laughs> I, see, I guess that's yeah. We, we
2: share that sun with some other people as well, but we're using all all the rays that come here. We are we're using. Um, but and yeah, ol- so I mean, we've always just brave. you know, brewing is is a hugely energy intensive process, and and just in an effort to be a good environmental steward, which we think everybody should be, and especially if we're in a business like we are that, that requires so much energy use, we turns out we have you know this beautiful sixteen thousand square foot flat roof that's completely unobstructed and is absolutely perfect for solar panels. So we hooked up with a local solar company back in I think it was twenty fifteen maybe. Um, to yeah install a big a big 68 kilowatt solar array on the roof so that provides theoretically 100% of our electricity and i say it's theoretically because we don't have a battery backup system so when during the evening we're pulling from the grid but during the day the system is sized so we're producing double what we use so we're using all the electricity that we're using during the day is coming from the panels and then we're we're also pushing back that same amount of electricity into the grid and theoretically the math works out to where we're netting out to 100% of our electricity use coming from the sun
3: Wow, that's pretty amazing. So moving to the tap room, um, I know you have a lot of metal concerts. Mm-hmm. How did that come about?
4: Uh, so we actually uh, we used to have a brewer here, um, Will Cook, who's well-known around the uh, the D.C. Mm-hmm. brewing
2: scene. Um, Who still holds the title as Brewer Emeritus. Yeah, and,
4: and also Director of Heavy Metal Operations here. <laughs> um, but, uh yeah, he's a huge metalhead. He, um uh, knows a bunch of like local bands knows like local promoters hooked us up with a bunch of them um, we got some folks on staff like really into metal so we um, yeah we we started putting on shows and it's been great actually like they, the, the fans are awesome like the bands are awesome uh, every now and then like a band comes through like if, if our staff is like really into them we like brew a beer for that band uh, just on the pilot
2: system
3: cool oh wow
2: yeah, it was Will, when he was here brewing, like, he said he's a big metalhead, and he just came to me one day and was like, hey, can I put a, throw a concert here? I'm just like, yeah, whatever, man, sure.
0: <laughs> um, and then he did
2: it, and then it just sort of snowballed and became a thing.
0: So you guys aren't both, like, big metal fans, necessarily? I do like metal.
4: Uh, yeah. I'd say, like, I wouldn't call myself a metalhead, but, yeah. Um, right. I'm going to the Decibel Magazine uh, Metal and Beer Festival this weekend, though. Cool. Oh, cool. So that should be fun.
0: Yeah, I'm... I'm Hot and cold on metal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you on that. I am definitely with you on that, although Adam's more of a metalhead.
3: Yeah, more old
2: school. We did... There was... one of my favorite parts about the metal shows is you know, we have posters up in the tap room of which bands are coming, and seeing all the band names are pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we had Cemetery Piss came through oh, right nice. one time, it's and I remember like, those wow. guys Couch Slut? Yeah, they, Couch Slut <laughs> opened up for Cemetery Piss, and when Cemetery Piss pulled up in their van, I happened to be outside like on the patio, and you were, of course, the breweries across from a cemetery, and they all got out of their van, and God knows where they drove in from how long they have been in that van, and they all got in there were like,
3: dude, look, look, it's a cemetery. <laughs> 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 Let's go take a piss. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Well, talking about piss (laughs) your urinals are really unusual um and usually you know our listeners know we don't talk about urinals but they're made (laughs) out of used (laughs) um kegs right that's right yeah yeah how did you come up with that and who
2: did that so I, I, we can't take credit for that. I saw it on the internet somewhere that somebody uh, had made a keg urinal. Um, and while we were going, you know, through the design and build out process for the tap room, we saw that and we're like, man, that's awesome! Like, can we do this? And we just showed a picture of it to the the metal guy who was uh, metal like fabrication guy, not metal heavy metal guy. <laughs> Although he might be, I don't know. Um, we didn't talk music with him much, but um, but yeah, we just kind of showed him a picture and was like, can you replicate this? And he loved it and just took it back, took a couple kegs back to the shop and chopped him up and put them in the, you know, in in the bathroom.
3: Wow. They're very unusual for our listeners.
2: We, when we first opened and there was lots of people taking pictures of the urinals and we had to stop people from (laughs) taking pictures while there were people using the urinals. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be a little disturbing. It's not okay. (laughs) I assume they were taking pictures of the urinals. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Now... Atlas has been at Nats Park for a long time, and we want to talk a little bit about your relationship with the Nationals and with Nats Park. So tell us how that sort of got rolled out and and you guys sort of got started and getting served in Nats Park. So in 2014, the Nats were looking
2: for a local brewery to brew a beer for them, um, and we were lucky enough to have an introduction with them, kind of pitched them a few ideas on, um, I think it was a pale ale, a hefeweizen, and a and a, uh, a hellas lager. And um, they absolutely wanted the hellas lager. It makes a lot of sense, you know, if you're drinking a, a a beer in in Nats Park when it's 95 degrees and even more percent humidity on a DC summer day. Um, and so, and we initially were going to call the beer Natitude Lager, but it turns out that Major League Baseball owns all the trademarks for all the teams and the Nats don't own it themselves. Uh-huh. And so we couldn't, couldn't call it that without paying an ungodly amount of money for licensing. Um, so we ended up on <laughs> calling ridiculous. it the 1500 South Cap
0: Lager, which is the, the address of the ballpark.
3: Nice. Very nice.
0: Okay, so you guys are serving 1500, you're serving Rowdy, you're serving other stuff at Nats Park? Yes, yeah, so we, we've got the 1500 is in kind of the general concession
2: stands. I think we mm-hmm. have six lines throughout the, the general concession stands within within the park. Um, and of course they have their district draft program, which is amazing. And I, I do say, I mean, I think the Nats has maybe the most progressive beverage and food program in terms of local sourcing than any other major league ballpark. And it's really, really awesome. Um, yeah. But the district draft Carts program, you know, they've got six or eight carts, I think, around that they they uh, pour beers from various local breweries, and so we have kind of a rotating line on on some of those carts that changes. Um, this this season It's going to change every month. Currently, it's it's the precious one um, for April, and then when coming up um, in May, it's going to switch over to Ponzi our IPA, and we also actually also have a relationship with um, Hank's Oyster Bar, and we make a house beer for them called Hank's Hops, which is a beautiful right. beautiful Cascade heavy pale ale. Um, and Hank's just opened up a concession stand mm-hmm. and nats park as well and so they're pouring hanks hops in that stand
0: okay all right so now let's take the take that and take it to the next step you guys are opening up a new facility right across the street from nats park on half street uh in on the ground floor of one of the new you know apartment condo buildings that anybody who's been by nats park sees popping up all over there um Tell us first. We want to spend. We want to spend most of our time today really talking about this. So let's start with the genesis of the idea of opening another location. So when did that first pop into your head? Realistically, because I know it probably popped into your head like the day the doors opened here. <laughs> <laughs> but realistically, like okay, let's really start thinking about having a second second location. So time frame on that? I don't. I don't.
2: I mean, two and a half years ago, maybe.
0: That sounds about right. I feel like that's when you started
4: talking about it.
2: The whole the, the genesis of a second location really was a a new production facility. Mm-hmm. So we're you know, the warehouse that we're in now our our ceilings are really short and we only have, you know, it's finite space, obviously, and we're starting to fill this place up and trying to figure out what's gonna be the next step. So, you know, opening a new Production brewery is going to be a very, very long process. We were trying to get out ahead of that, and we started kind of exploring on the real estate side of what's out, what's available, and you know we want to we want to keep within DC, which is challenging considering our use. And you know everyone can throw up condos and put some floor level retail in there and get a whole lot more money than giving a warehouse to to a brewery. But throughout that search process, then the opportunity came to us for the space down on on Half Street. Um, So the location was absolutely wonderful um, we sort of kind of found the location and sort of backed into what the concept was going to be there and we were the concept is going to be it's going to be basically it's a tap room about double the size of what we have currently we're gonna have a 10 barrel brewing a uh, 10 barrel brew house there um, with um, some 20 barrel fermenters and some 20 barrel serving tanks. So we'll be brewing there on site, um, serving beer directly out of the serving tanks on site, while still bringing our core beers from here, our Ivy City location. So all the, uh, not all, but the 1500, um, Dance of Days, District Common, um, Silent Neighbor. Um, told you I was going to leave one of them out. Which one did I forget? Browdy, And blood orange goza. Oh, I guess. so blood Ooh. orange goza will all be brewed here for the most part, be brewed here and sent down there. And then we're going to use that system to both supplement the production of those beers. And then the idea is to really kind of let V and his team run wild with uh, with those tanks down there and really try some new stuff and some one off things and uh, and just kind of go to town.
0: That's what I, that was a question I was I had is Are you going to get to do some more experimental
4: stuff? Yeah, so that's a, that's a bit of the goal, actually, is to mess around a little more, like, have a little more fun. Um, you know, I don't think anyone really gets into the brewing industry to drink the same beer every day. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think all of our brewers are kind of, uh, like, chopping at the bit to, uh, you know, try out some new re- new recipes.
3: Do you have any ideas on kinds of things you want to try?
2: Man, too many to list. <laughs> But yet, so I mean, we, we currently, like I mentioned, you know, we, have, we have a 20-barrel production brew house, and then we have our 3.5-barrel pilot system, and that pilot system has sort of been doing that duty of letting our, our, our brewing team kind of explore the creative side and try some new one-off stuff um, that we put on in the taproom here in Ivy City. But now when we have this 10-barrel brew house down at the ballpark, it's kind of another step of that. So we'll be able to, we'll have now three brewing systems to try beers on. Um, the ballpark is a little bit bigger obviously than the pilot system is, but again, direct audience that we'll have with people coming into the the new taproom there to try beers out and just let let v and his guys run wild with it,
4: yeah, and just get like a solid idea of like like brewing beer that people like yeah um if we like the beer, that's one thing, but if it doesn't sell, it doesn't do much doesn't do us much good, so we kind of like being able to step it up a little bit each time um. Gives us gives us a good insight as like what people are looking for, like what, what they want to drink.
2: And one one of our challenges now is with I keep going back to the pilot system, but you know, we're that's a very small system and so we're able to brew some one off beers there, but there's only so much of it. If we have a mm-hmm. recipe that we really like, but we just don't have the bandwidth, you know, to put through our distribution channels, which is a whole, you know, mess of training sales staff and and training you know distributors and getting account placements and all that we'll now have our own outlet so we can take for instance like the uh uh, night vision the tamave was a a beer we piloted that did wonderfully it's a delicious beer we just don't have room to put that out into distribution with all the other stuff we have going on but now with the new space we'll be able to brew that beer uh and larger batches and hopefully consistently and have that available all year round Mm -hmm. awesome
3: are you gonna have food at the new place and if so like I guess what kind or or how much or what's that going to be
2: yeah we're we're definitely going to have food we're going to build a um a full kitchen it'll be very small um small kitchen um don't know exactly what that food program is going to be yet we're trying to figure that out and kind of exploring the options of either running it ourselves or bringing on a food partner who actually knows what they're doing to do that side of thing, <laughs> let us focus on the beer. Right. Um, but we're, we're definitely not trying to be a restaurant or, you know, hopefully you'll still come and have dinner because you like beer and you want a couple of beers and we just want to have some, some food, some high quality, delicious food for you while you're there drinking beer, not being the focus, but something that you can still enjoy the food while you're drinking our beer. Let me ask, what's your timeline on this? So, our goal is to be up and running for opening day 2020. 2020, okay. Mm-hmm. So, That's late March, early April 2020.
3: Is that building going to be open by then? Because it seems like it's been under construction for more for than years. two and a half years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> years.
2: So, we're, we're supposed to get our space delivered to us in August or September, um, which should give us plenty of time to get our build-out done. So, I think the whole... You know, it's a massive project with all kinds of, and there's you know 350 apartments that are going yeah. up above that and I don't know when those are supposed to start leasing out but the commercial
0: spaces at least are supposed to be uh, being delivered this this summer all right so yeah then you'll be able to be open for opening day which leads me to the next question and I've been asking this question of a lot of uh, a lot of tap rooms around uh, the region. Do you think you're getting close to saturation? I mean, in that neighborhood, you're talking about Blue Jacket, you guys, Gordon Biersch, uh, I guess Bardo is down there. Like, do, do you worry at all that there might be a little too much?
4: Or, now I'm going to be honest. I've like, if you go down on game day, like, there's not a single restaurant or bar that's not filled to the brim. True. I, True. Uh, I can't imagine we're anywhere near saturation yet.
2: And yeah I think in, in general the people don't don't ask that question about you know pizza places or coffee shops you know and there there's well, I piece, don't know
0: people have asked that question about coffee shops a lot but coffee shops continually <laughs> show
2: that, that that's there's true no that's no <laughs> and I mean that's always it's always a worry and a concern but you know all of all of the DC breweries combined we only make up maybe 3% of the entire market of beer sold within the district right, so there's right. plenty plenty of room to grow
3: all right. Yeah, and I have to say, being a half-season plan holder for the Nats, whenever we go to a game, every place is packed. I mean, you can't get a table, you can't, it's hard to even stand in a lot of the places.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and there's obviously a lot of construction going on, not just our building, but there's, you know, right. you see just cranes all over the place down mm-hmm. there, and you get the Nats combined with Audi Field and what's going on there, right. and just people moving to that neighborhood to live and, you know, and eat, drink, and live there, so...
3: Yeah, I was going to say, you have a bunch of apartments right above you as well, and I'm thinking of renting one just to go there. <laughs> get the one right <laughs> above us, if you will. <laughs> All
4: right. Just a tap line right
2: from the floor. There we <laughs> go. That's a oh, compromise. Awesome. You don't complain about the noise, and we'll just pump a tap line right <laughs> there up to the, <laughs> the apartment.
3: That would be awesome. I don't know how much my wife would go for that, but she'd probably wife, be into it. Your wife she doesn't, doesn't go home.
0: for any of it. She well, just drinks your beer. She, <laughs> she loves drinks a beer, but she just <laughs> won't let you do anything. She won't yeah. let you do this podcast, brother.
3: But she loves gun and Nats games. She man. does. She loves baseball even more than me. Oh, my God. And <laughs> she loves love beer, so she probably gotta pretty give her pretty much into that. has got
0: to her reserve stool, you know?
3: Yeah.
2: And you're good to right.
0: go. Right, right. Um, and while we're on it, we'll, we'll plug her podcast.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. No the, crying No crying in baseball.
0: baseball if you want to hear two women talking about baseball. You should listen to "No Crying in Baseball." Talking
3: we, about baseball while drinking beer uh, most of the time,
0: yes. Uh, so, so you've talked a little bit about the capacity uh, of of the new place. Tell us a little bit about what the space is going to look like. If you've got some uh, preliminary thoughts on that, I know we got a little sneak peek at some early drawings. Yeah. So it's it's you know we have the whole length of the space i think is like 80
2: 85 feet or so so we have two large garage doors that will open up to the street and oh, so it's going nice. to be a very big open kind of kind of concept um, we have a couple bars in there, one main bar, um, and then kind of a satellite bar that hopefully when we're busy on game days will help kind of alleviate some of the crowding we've, we've been talking about. Um, we, we're really trying to keep the feel to be very much like it is currently at Atlas. We want it to feel like you're in a in a brewery. You're not in a bar. You're not in a restaurant. You're not in oh, nice. a brew pub. Nice. You're in a brewery. So the brewery portion will be open to everything. We're going to have kind of a you know a little pony wall to keep people out of it and keep splashing on from both sides on whichever side the splash came from. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but want to make sure that, you know, visually you're looking, you're saying, oh, wow, the beer, you know, it's right there and you're kind of interacting with it. Um, and in terms of like design, design wise, we're still kind of going through that now. Um, but we, you know, we're Atlas, our, our whole Scheme is very steampunk and very kind of the idea of that being a mix of of art and science, which is exactly what what beer is. And so we're trying to keep in line with that. And as we're going through that that whole kind of that finishes was, design thing,
0: yeah. No, I'm glad to hear that because that was one of the questions I had. Is you're not going to sports bar this? Sorry. <laughs> no, we're probably going to have a shitload of TVs. Though, of course, you're going yeah, to so. <laughs> have to. and that, I
2: understand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that's super, super important. You know, and I think it's something that we've. We we have tried to to do here in Ivy City and want to continue at the new spot is to you know be unique and be be nice but still have our own character shine through and it's not to feel you know Buffalo Wild Wings corporate or anything right. like that we want it to be unique and have our, have the Atlas character shine through there.
3: So does that mean you're going to have the keg urinals there as well?
2: um maybe <laughs> <laughs> there's some space constraints with that that we're, de- we're, we're dealing with but might trough them well, i don't
0: know <laughs> oh, that's not a bad idea you can trough them yeah all right well is there anything else anybody that, that the listeners should know about sort of what your plans are not necessarily just at the new uh half street location but sort of the the future of atlas and what you guys are looking at moving forward
2: I mean, we're gonna you know continue doing what we're doing. I think we you know we have our ninja sauce. Our spring seasonal is coming out in May. Summer um, seasonal. Summer seasonal. Sorry. Uh, what day is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we'll be bringing um, fest beer back as our our fall seasonal. So we did fest beer. It originally we did it. I guess two years ago, right? Yeah. It was one of these recipes that he just sort of uh, just whipped up, and not to discredit his his recipe design <laughs> creation, but the way he does it, it seems like he just whips it up, and everything is excellent. <laughs> um, but he brewed, we brewed that beer, and we did I think twenty barrels of it, and it was yeah. gone in a week.
4: Yeah, we really underestimated the demand for that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next year we did sixty barrels, and that was gone like way before, like before October even hit.
2: Wow. So it, yeah, we're we're gonna try to step that up this year again. All right. Super excited about that beer. Beautiful, you know. Ger- we call it German adjacent lager. <laughs> <laughs> German
4: adjacent. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if it like falls any kind of Rheinhesske standards, but
0: definitely not. To. Doesn't have to. Doesn't <laughs> have to. This is the district. This is DC.
3: Now, do you have any specific plans for kinds of events you're going to have at the new brew location um, on the off season? So when there are no Nats games.
2: Good question and <laughs> we, we, we've been, we've
0: been right. bouncing that around a lot. We're over yeah. a year before they open, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really uh, just asking. That's right. That you got to uh, think
2: about these things.
4: Yeah, and, the, and and part of it being that the goal is like to open uh, like right before, like right at the start of Nets uh, Nets season. Uh, I think our, our our focus has been a little more on like uh, how can we keep up, um, yeah. but we we've we've thrown some like small ideas around as like so what we can do. Um, a little bit of it's just uh, having a little more fun with experimenting with the beers. Um, uh, you, like he, like Justin mentioned earlier, we have 20 barrel fermenters, but a 10 barrel brew, brew house. Um, we could do 10 barrel batches and like really kind of get like a very experimental beers going on and just see how crowds react to them. Um, there are going to be, you know, so many apartments opening up down there that we imagine right. we get enough, enough folks coming through that we can get a, a, a solid like public opinion on these beers.
2: I think we're gonna we're gonna make the turn from here. You know, we have um, we obviously fill growlers, and we have our growler growler filler machines, which is a thing we invested in way at the beginning. Um, it's kind of a counter pressure CO two system to make sure those growlers stay as fresh as they can while you're filling them up. Um, but we're gonna make the shift over to growlers down Woo. at the, uh, at the ballpark. We're yeah. Big big big
0: we fans love of growlers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's good. I think that's that's a lot of folks are moving in that direction, and it just gives you a fresher beer that you can keep longer. Which which I've found to be, I mean, that's, yeah. I say this every time we talk about this, but listeners are just going to have to put up with me. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 hardest thing for me is that the beer I like and the beer my wife likes. Are different mm-hmm. so bringing home a growler means that once i open it i have to drink 64 yeah <laughs> or, you know like i just have to drink that uh, and as fast as i can or it just won't taste as good but but like nice a 32 to... ounce can is completely uh, completely it's, doable it's totally exactly. reasonable yeah. it, it really is and i can get something you know i get a growler for her and a growler for me and that's mm-hmm. essentially you know us sitting around watching a movie you know right with a big bowl mm-hmm. of popcorn that night so yeah we're i'm glad to see you guys are doing that too
3: wow one growler for a movie
0: Each. (laughs) Yeah, Each. Each. And I didn't say that was all.
3: One at a time. There you go. There you go. One at a time. That makes more sense.
0: All right. Well, Justin and Daniel V, thank you guys so much for joining us once again. Uh, Listeners, I can promise you, I will make this promise, that uh, we will talk to these guys again just before the start of the uh, 2020 baseball season and the opening of the new Atlas uh, Tap Room on Half Street. Uh, In the meantime, you can keep up with everything going on uh, with Atlas and uh, with everything in the D.C. beer scene at dcbeer.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, at D.C. Beer.
3: And remember, always drink great beer.